Hi, thank you for joining us. Uh, let's read the first chapter uh, to where we are today. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace by which he has made us accepted in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to, to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a guarantee of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Amen. I thought we would start today by just reading the section as to where we are, and as we start a new week of these studies. And today, uh, we're going to take the uh, next couple of verses, and there's a very appropriate uh, passage, I think, and we'll talk about that why as we get toward uh, Easter Sunday, as we start the Passion Week of this week, and uh, with uh, Good Friday uh, coming up, and of course, on Easter Sunday. So our verse today, then, uh, back to the NIV, verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now in this translation, you'll notice it, it begins here, I pray also. Um, actually in the, in the, in the original, uh, and, and so our topic here is eyes of your heart, and you'll notice it says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Actually th that phrase, I pray also, is not in the original. It's, it's uh, part of the translators uh, to help with the flow of thought. What it really says is, having the eyes of your heart or we could say, since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened. And the reason I want to point this out, several of the commentators did make this uh, note, that uh, this this could be referring uh, not so much that, you know, Paul is hoping that this will happen, but it's a, re it's a reference to what happened at salvation, that the eyes of their heart were enlightened. And we see that uh, the idea of the salvation experience at the point of salvation Having had your eyes enlightened, Paul, remember, remember now, Paul is praying. I pray also, since the eyes of your heart were enlightened, and have been enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So this is uh, referring to, we'll talk about in a minute, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the enlightenment. But the other, so we'll come back to that. The other interesting word, of course, here is this, this idea of the eyes of your heart. 
And of course, uh, in, the, in the old world, both the Old and New Testament, uh, the word for heart, it, it's, it's obviously, it's an organ of the body. We all know that. It's pumping blood all the time. But also, um, throughout history, it also has been associated with, uh, as, long as, as well as being an organ of the body, it's been associated with the seat of our emotions. And, you know, we talk about that all the time, right? Heartfelt, uh, broken heart, you know, a loving heart. And uh, we, we, we ascribe this, this part of our soulical beating, our inner, our inner person, we connect it with the heart. That's just been part of uh, literature and culture, uh, going back, of course, to Bible times as well. It's connected with this, the seat of emotions, as well as volition and will. Right, I mean, the heart that is, is is something that is 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 this multifaceted um, representation of our inner person. So Paul says, "The eyes of your heart." That's a very interesting uh, phrase, there, isn't it? That since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened to God's will and to what God wants, and with the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's also notice in the Bible. You'll see it's also also the place of God's residence. And for example, we can just turn over to chapter 3, and um, in verse 17, again we see, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We have another passage here, Romans 5, verse 5. So we have this idea that this is the seat of where God dwells in our lives, right? That the Lord dwells in our heart, that our heart is the place of, of God's presence. Again, it's a representation of our, of our inner being. Uh, where exactly that inner being is located. Um, you know, we have the brain, the thought process, obviously connected with our emotions and our, and our will. But the heart is just, is, it becomes, let's just say, representative of that, and it's used for that. So this inner part of our being has been enlightened to God. It's the place where we have emotions and volition and will. And it's also the place that God dwells, if you will, in our lives. You know, we use this phrase, ask the Lord Jesus Christ, into your heart, into your life, into your, into, your, into your inner being, into who you are. So, the eyes of your light, heart may be enlightened. And then we have this word enlightened. Now, in the Greek, photizo, uh, obviously, is an English word that has some, has some connection there in the word photo. And uh, there's, a, and there's a, this idea of enlightenment. And I want to suggest to you, as we read this again here in Ephesians chapter 1, that where Paul says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart, or I would, suggest, I would suggest, since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened in order that. And we have here the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives. Um, you know, a really important passage for this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And there's a whole section here, actually, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and uh, verse Nine. However, as it has been written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And then uh, verse 14, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. 
He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgment about all things. So we see here that clearly this idea that the Holy Spirit is is the, is the is the one that brings us understanding and is indwells us, enlightens us. We talk about this as one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, that is enlightenment. And you'll also notice back in Ephesians chapter 1, that he says here, that I pray also your eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So the idea of the revelation here, going back to verse 17, um, this idea that, as we mentioned on that verse, that uh, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and we're not talking about apostolic revelation, a new revelation to add to our Bible, it's understanding of what God has already revealed to us and has given to us. So this, the eyes of our heart, the Holy Spirit is in our life, enabling us then to continue. And there is this continuous idea to continue to understand and continue to be enlightened. But I think it goes back to the point of salvation. It's not something that happens at their point later on in your life. All of a sudden you're enlightened by the Holy Spirit in a new filling or, or something like that. What are we enlightened for? What's the purpose of it? Well, let's look at what it says here. His prayer is that since they have been enlightened, they may know, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, and finishing in this verse, the richest, riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The hope that he has called us to. The idea of hope here in the, in the Greek is the idea of expectation and confidence. Your confidence in God, my confidence in God, is based on God's revealed word to us, the Holy Spirit enables us to understand and to grow in our knowledge and wisdom of it, and also based on our experience. You've experienced that God is a faithful God. God is one who is faithful to his promises and to his word. You know that from your experience with God. Look back over your life and how God has been faithful to you, to your family, has cared for you, and even in these uncertain and difficult times, uh, we need to be reminded that God continues to care for us and, and, and is faithful to his promises. And this is a, this is a principle that runs throughout the dispensations. It's a continuity. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so uh, we understand that, that this is hope. And it's also it's connected to our calling. The hope of your calling. The hope of your calling. And uh, this goes back to the, the language of choosing. Uh, God having chosen us to, predestined us to be these kind of people. And it's the idea of God's calling to us once again. So this is one thing we have been enlightened for, hope. Second thing we have enlightened for, and you notice this phrase, his glorious inheritance, the riches of his glorious inheritance. Now I want to make a note here that several of the commentators that I, good Greek commentators, uh, I'd say the majority of the ones that I consulted on this, uh, make a point that, this is not so much talking about our inheritance. We are joint heirs with Christ, but God's inheritance. You notice even the language here in the, in, in the English comes out. He has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That the point here is, is that the saints are God's inheritance. We saw that at the end of, uh, at the end of verse, four, uh, uh, verse, verse 14. Who are God's possession. Remember we talked about that. That we are God's possession. We are God's inheritance. And uh, so this is truly a, a rich thought. That the church, collectively, 
and as individuals that we are God's inheritance and we belong to him. As we mentioned before, God knows how to take care of what belongs to him. And so to think of the joy when God receives what belongs to him. When we talk about a loved one who has died, we say, uh, or passed away, sometimes we say, and oftentimes we use the term, they've gone home to be with the Lord. And that's really true because they are God's inheritance. He has now received in his presence in eternity what he purchased and what belongs to him. So I just want to point that out. And I think that's the right translation, that we, that, that we are God's glorious inheritance. And that's why he knows how to care for what belongs to him. And then verse 19, And his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ. And we're going to stop right there. Uh, we're not going to go into the next verse because we're going to come to that next week. This is so appropriate for, for Easter week, uh, this passage here. But I want you to know, so we go to this next, we are enlightened what? We are enlightened to know the power of God. And I want you to, to see here also the repetition of words here that are used um, is for us who believe, this is for the believers, that the power of God is at work in our life. And I want you to notice the repetition. Notice these words. Uh, notice the words here. Incomparable, great, mighty strength, exerted in Christ. It's like he's piling up these words of power and strength to describe what we have been enlightened. Paul says, my prayer is, having been enlightened, that you might know these things and experience these things. And we're going to talk more about this, especially with that we think about uh, Easter. And we'll connect with that here in the next couple next couple of sessions. That, that Paul piles up these words on power, strength, um, incomparable, mighty. He's obviously reaching, trying to really make a point here, how important God's strength is. And that's something that in our lives, in your life today, God has given you the strength. He's given you the enlightenment. He's given us the strength to make good choice, choices, to do what is right, to live lives that are pleasing to him, to be representatives of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to love the unlovable, to care for those in need, uh, all the things that God has called us to, to be a witness for him. So we're going to stop right there. And I just want to say, take a minute here, and also what I'd like to do this this uh, this week, this next uh, third week here together, is if you have any questions or if you have any comments, maybe something you've learned that's important to you, you'd like to share, if you'd like to email those to me, what I'm going to do on Friday, we'll do our four lessons, our hour of grace, 15 minutes each day. But on Friday, if we have any, I know I have one question already that two people have asked. And so I'm going to take on our last session this week. And just we'll just address some questions maybe some comments. So if you'd like to email me, I'm sorry, I didn't put it up here, but you can go to our church webpage, uh, brian, B-E-R-E-N-Shoreline.org is our church webpage. My email address is simply pastor at brian-shoreline.org. And you can email those to me and uh, I will uh, collect those and we'll gather those together in our last session this week. Be on Good Friday. Uh, we'll take a few minutes and answer those questions. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you, and have a wonderful day uh, walking and serving with the Lord.